a Bible, let's open up today to Proverbs chapter 19. And I feel like every time we teach the Proverbs, I have to apologize because, you know, every single sentence is a sermon, and so we can't really cover everything. And not only that, I always tell you guys this, huh, that the Bible is so deep that theologians will never touch the bottom. And so it's a lifetime of going through the Proverbs. On Saturday mornings, the men get together at 8 a.m., and we go through the Proverbs, and we spend some time in prayer. And you can t ask any of the guys that come that uh, it's always, there's always a, a hearty discussion. There's always you know, more to dig out of it, more application. And so uh, that's the way the Proverbs are designed. But I will say this, that for those of you who have come with an open heart, you know, you want to seek the Lord. You want to learn this word. God will bless your life. Wisdom, it comes from above. Wisdom is knowing God's word and how to live life successfully. And as you're taking these things to heart, man, it might prevent heartache and mistakes that otherwise perhaps we would have fallen into. And so there is great benefit in studying the Proverbs. Look at verse 1 right here. It says, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. And so when I look at this verse, to be honest, there's like a lot of different things you can probably talk about. You can talk about, you know, the poor man, how he's better if he's a man of integrity than the rich man who's a man of perversity. Uh, when you look at this, there, there's a lot here. Uh, I know for me, uh, it doesn't really matter uh, about money. What matters is integrity. What matters is spirituality. What matters is morality. And when you look at verse 1, it says, Better is the poor who walks, who walks in his integrity. You know, your walk in the Bible is in reference to your daily moral journey as you're taking step by step right in psalm 1 it talks about our walk and the bible is filled with references to our walk because uh as i share with you guys always all the time we don't want to just be uh talky talkies there's a lot of people who just talk it there's a lot of people who know it but they they, they don't live it they don't walk it and so what we want to do is be walky talkies why right? we want to be both and so here we see this verse, it includes both. Better is the poor who walks. <laughs> you know, it's just life. It's just, it's wisdom, right? All the brothers of the poor hate him. Now, this is strong, I must admit. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. And so obviously, this is definitely taking it to an extreme. Um, it's sad. I would have to say when people are like this, they're like, man, I'm, gonna get, I'm not going to get anything from them. Hopefully we learn to just love people because they are created in the image of God. You know, I mean, there's not a person in this sanctuary that you should ever run away from. There, there's no one here that you'll ever you know, run across in life that you shouldn't be drawn to. You know, to love them just because of the fact that they are made in the image of God and, and God loves them. God died for them. God can work in them. And God brought them in your path, you know? So dealing with stuff like this, I mean, it's real, you know, but hopefully that we, we learn 
to kind of do the right thing no matter where we are. Verse 8, it says, He who gets wisdom loves his own soul, and he who keeps understanding will find good. And so are you hungry for wisdom? Just curious. Or are you kind of here and you're like, ah, just, yeah, I'll come tonight. You know, when you read the Bible, are you like insatiably hungry for God, for his word, to understand his truth? You know, um, when, when you get wisdom, the word right here is pursuing in the Hebrew language. You're a go-getter. You get wisdom. If that's you, then you love, he says right here, your own soul. And I'm telling you this, it's worth it. What are you pursuing in life? Honestly, what's your passion? What gets you out of bed? What makes you excited? It should be God. And the way that we get to know God, I'm telling you this, is through his word. And that's why there should be an insatiable appetite to, to know this book right here. Other books are cool. Other books are cool. But they're written by men. For me, you know what I want to do? I want to understand the meaning of every single verse in the Bible eventually. I don't know if I'll ever get there. But that's what I want. Because if you get wisdom, if you passionately pursue it and therefore obtain it, some of you guys know where you would be without the Lord, huh? You'd be in pools. We'd be out there. We'd be in the bars. We'd be divorced. You know, we'd be uh, on the streets. I don't know. My, my daughter and I, on our way in, we, we were on the signal and we saw to the side, you know, a guy right there. You could tell he was just on, on drugs. He's talking to himself. He's going back and forth. And, and she said, look, Dad. And I, and I looked and I saw him and I just, my heart just went out to him. And then I realized, man, that could, that could have been me. That could have very easily been me. But, you know, when you come to know the Lord, he sets you free. And then as a Christian, we're going to see it today, we've got to stay on track very important that we stay on track. And that's why you guys coming, it's not in vain. God uses your, your desires. God uses your steps of faith. God uses the way that you seek him to keep you on track. And so when you get wisdom, it says right here, you, you love your, your soul. It manifests a love for the soul if you keep understanding. So not only do you get it, but then you guard it it's good for you, right? I mean, the opposite, obviously, would be uh, someone who doesn't love their own soul. And that would be an individual who is engaged in self-destructive behavior. And so they go and they get the wisdom of the world. And that leads to self-destructive behavior. They don't love themselves. Uh, and I was thinking as I read this right here, I couldn't help but think of Ephesians 5.28 where the Bible says, Husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Amen, bros? You know, so you're loving wisdom. You're loving your own soul. And then part of that wisdom are things like this, where when you love your wife, you know, you're one, so you love and it's, it's, it does good for you. It's just good for you. 
I was talking to the Lord today, and I was saying, Lord, you know, I know the day's going to come where, man, I'm going to get hit, you know, socked on the side of the face, you know, with a, something that I didn't know was coming. I, I know that day will probably come. But, but Lord, in the meantime, I am just so blessed with the grace that you've given to me. And, and it's all because the Lord has taught us his word and he's given us the grace to be able to live our lives by it. Verse 10, it says, Luxury is not fitting for a fool, much less for a servant to rule over princes. And so, um, you know, this is probably in reference to a slave who rises to the top, but he wasn't ready for it. And so he doesn't understand servant leadership. Uh, a lot of times what ends up happening is uh, uh, an individual who's not ready, uh, who hasn't been prepared for that place, becomes selfish and ruthless. Kind of like Herod the Great. I don't know why they call him the Great. The guy was a horrible guy. Killed his wife, his children, anyone who threatened him. You know, but that's what we're talking about. That's what happened when it, the person rises to that place of prominence and position and they are not really called there. Now I think of David's son, Absalom. You guys remember his story? Guy was great looking, but he stole the hearts of the people from David because he would go out in the front of the gate and he would say, hey, David doesn't have time for you, but I do. God saw, and he had his moment, but he wasn't called to be there. And what ended up happening, you guys remember his hair, that was the only thing that was weighty to his life. There was no substance to him, really. And he ended up dying uh, because of the fact that he didn't have that calling in his life and usurped it to himself. And so, you know, we learn uh, from this is as from, we learn from Jesus, I think, you know, that that for a servant uh, to, to rule, he's got to have a servant's heart. You know, Jesus said in Mark 10, 44 through 45, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve to give his life a ransom for many. And so what does it mean to be slave of all? That's a hard one when you think about it. But that means that, you know, you never come to a place really like Jesus. You never come to a place where, you know, hey, I'm the boss, and you guys, you know, have to bow down to me and serve me and do what I say. You know, you look at every single individual, every single one of them that God brings your way, as people that you'll be willing to take orders from, unless it goes against the scriptures and against God's will. But you're here to serve them. That, that's got to be our heart. Verse 11, it says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. And this right here, it could be our whole sermon tonight, you know? Um, how many of you guys are, are quick to get angry. Uh, I'll be honest. That's I'm, You guys probably wouldn't believe it, huh? you never believe it. I'm just joking. You would probably believe it. <laughs> you know, I have to tell people, man, I'm a sinner, and I can get angry. And I don't know if that it's a, it's a chemical or adrenaline or what it is. Right away, man, you know, you can get angry. Um, but when you, when you read the Word and you're asking God to control you and fill you with the Holy Spirit, it helps a whole lot. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger. 
And so, you know, we've talked about this before. As far as uh, James, it says uh, that the, the wrath of man, it does not produce the righteousness of God to let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and, and slow to anger. So when someone does you wrong, when someone disrespects you, when someone does something to you that in one sense is sinning against you or transgresses against you, um, what James is kind of saying is the first thing you want to do is you want to shoot off your mouth. You want to say something. He says, don't. Don't do it. Because then that leads, and that feeds the anger within us. And so um, he says, the wrath of man, it doesn't do anything good, really. And so what we're seeing right here is when you have that discretion, you're, you're slow to, to that point. And, and, and I just love what it says right here. And his glory, think about that, is to overlook transgression. Now sometimes someone's going to do you wrong. Probably it'll happen every day, I'll bet. And and right away you're like, man, I don't get mad, I get even. <laughs> right away, you know, we want to do something about it. We don't we don't think it's right. We think that, you know, they're going to walk all over me. They're going to take advantage of me. Maybe they will, but God sees. God sees. And it, it's different when they do something to you than when they do something to maybe your loved one. I mean, you have to really take everything to the Lord and ask God for wisdom and all these things. But the glory of man, this is like man at its best, is to overlook a transgression. You know, to ignore it. That, that's really what he's saying right there. Think about it. To overlook, it means to uh, fail to even notice it. It means you disregard it. As a matter of fact, it's an interesting Hebrew word that means to pass over. To pass over. Does that remind you of anything? It reminds you of the Passover where Jesus was our lamb who died for us. And the Bible talks about that in the book of Exodus when you read chapter 13 and the Lord said this is going to be the one that's going to seal the deal. You take a lamb, you take its blood, you apply it to the doorposts of your house. And when the angel of death comes and he sees the blood on your house, he will pass over. And that's what God does with us. If you think about it, we fail him all the time. All the time we fail him. But he sees the blood of Jesus on us and he passes over. And don't you think that we should be that way with others? Bible says, and be tender-hearted toward one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave you in Ephesians 4.32. So, so the glory of man, I, I just love it, it, is to overlook a transgression. I would have to say that the times that I've gotten in trouble, the times I think I've grieved the Lord the most, is when I didn't do this, and I just said, hey, that's not right, that's not just, I'm going to deal with this. And it just messed everything. Verse 12, it says, The king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. And this, you know, probably is applicable to human authorities. Back then, the king, um, just with the blink of an eye, you know, you're dead. Um, but I always, when I read this verse right here, I think um, also... Just of Jesus, just of Jesus, 
And that's why I, I thank him for his grace. I thank him for the way that salvation is just a free gift. You know, more than likely, all you guys are saved. There's a couple of you I'm still praying for, but um, no, I don't know. Um, you know, if you don't know the Lord, if you're not a Christian, it's just so beautiful to know that Jesus died on that cross for us and he rose again. And someone might even be watching today and they're not a Christian. And, you know, you, you're going to face Jesus either one of two ways. Either is it the, the lamb or the lion. Unless you give your life to Jesus Christ, you will experience the wrath of God because he's holy. But he loves you so much that he died for you as a lamb. Think about it. Slaughtered for our sins. And so that's what you want. You know, I'll never forget the day that I gave my life to Christ, August 20th, 1989. It was one day, it was one moment in time that changed eternity. Where I was faced with the decision of whether or not I would choose Jesus or not. And it, through my whole life, I had always believed in him in my brain. But I had never really believed in him in my heart. And when I gave my heart to Christ, when I believed in him, then he saved me and he came in. And that's what he will do for anyone today. You know, the, the king's wrath is like the roaring of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. And what's the dew? The dew is the blessings that come down from above. Verse 13, it says, A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. And so another thing that you're going to see a lot of times in the Proverbs are our family matters family matters. And you guys know me. Um, more than likely you've heard me talk about the fact that the family is the fabric of society. And how I grew up didn't really have a family too much. I don't really remember that a whole lot. But how when I became a Christian, how important the family is to me. How important the family is. And so you're going to see a lot in the Proverbs about the family, about husbands, about wives, about parents, about children. And if you take heed to this, then God will begin to, to bless your family. You know, here we see a foolish son is the ruin of his father, and, and the contentions of a wife are, are a continual dripping. And so um, if you think about it right here, it's kind of a bummer, the son here, he's foolish, and so it just tears his dad up. But, but you know, like we've talked about, you know, you might read this proverb and you might say, well, that's a bad son, well, he's a bad son, but then the question is, well, was he a good dad? It works both ways. It makes me examine my life as a dad. And then, you know, you read about the wife right here, and she's just dripping. And, uh, you know, I was reading, I was listening to John Corson on this, and he was talking about, he was comparing it to Chinese torture, basically. And he said back in the day, um, this is, we're talking like the 16th century, and who knows, they probably still do it, but they would take the guy and they would fasten his head and they would literally just drip water on his forehead until he went crazy. And so... Um, he was talking about how that uh, some wives are, are like that. You know, just that continual dripping. And so 
again, reading this proverb, and it, you know, wives, um, man, this is, it, it does a lot of damage. It's such a bummer when the wife is the number one contender when she should be the number one defender, when she should be the number one supporter. And so, you know, you look at this, and it's, again, like I said, applicable to wives. Listen, please, don't do this to your husband. But also, it's applicable to husbands. But I think sometimes husbands, again, they, they did this to their wife. And so here's the thing that you gotta you got to come away with, you guys. You can't be here tonight uh, just thinking, my wife, man, I hope she's listening. can't because if not man god's gonna sock you man it's not a good thing but you can't be here as a wife just saying well i hope my husband listens to this no no can't you see the way it is lord what's my part and that's how we grow verse 14 it kind of builds on this it says houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers but a prudent wife is from so houses and riches, it's good if you can give it to your kids. It, it might be good for them. It might mess them up. Only the Lord knows, right? So that's, again, it's a human thing. But it's divine. It's divine when you are given a prudent wife. And so I can still remember my wedding day. Um, and man, I could see my wife coming down the aisle. And uh, she had this one gentleman giving her away it wasn't her dad because her dad wasn't able to do it but the way that I visualize it is that it was God giving her to me saying take care of my daughter you've been given a prudent wife you've been given a wife who who looks out for you who, who looks to the future does the best that she can None of us are perfect, but man, do you realize that she is infinitely more valuable than any amount of money or treasure that the world has to offer? But sometimes husbands, they don't realize that this beautiful sister and wife and friend and companion has been given to me from God himself. The Bible says in James 1.17, every perfect gift, every good gift that comes down from above. So may we never forget that. Laziness, it says in verse 15, cast one into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. And so again, you know, I mean, I hope that you guys, again, like I said, we can't dive into every single one super deep, but maybe reading this verse right here will Get, make you work a little harder, you know, for some of us who maybe have been lazy. Uh, because of laziness, many Christians even find themselves in spiritual comas. You know, there's a deep sleep right here. Why? Because they're lazy. They, they have no prayer life. They have no uh, time in the Word. They don't want to get up and go and, and share with other people. They, they really don't have, like, uh, the energy to do like anything beyond anything that's comfortable. You know, if it works out in my schedule, cool. If not, ah, you know, nah, I'd rather do some worldly things. And so 
A lot of times that laziness will bring people into a spiritual coma, but what we find right here is that, that an idle person is going to suffer hunger. And of course that is true. It can be physically, it can be spiritually. I was thinking of that song by Keith Green. He said, open up, open up, give yourself away. You see the need, you hear the cries. How can you delay God's calling and you're the one, but like Jonah, you run. He says, how can you be so, so, so sleepy, basically? He says, the world is sleeping in the dark and the church just can't fight because she's asleep in the light. Verse 24, it says, a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Okay, so can you visualize the guy right there? So God does have a sense of humor. This is like kind of like a comical proverb that says, man, this guy's really, really bad. I was uh, thinking about, I don't know if you guys have ever studied the sloth. Have you guys ever seen the sloth? There's that one cartoon, really funny, of the sloth. They're super slow. They, they say some of these sloths will sleep for 15 hours a day. And as they're moving... You know, the best that they can, they only go like 40 yards a day. Think about that. These are pretty big animals, you know, relatively speaking. But um, I, I think that for, for all of us here, like I said on Sunday, and I, I hope that it came across okay, some of you are already doing enough. You know, I don't want to put too much on your plate because that's not good for you either, right? But maybe some of you are not that you're not really serving the Lord. And so everyone has to just go with the Lord and ask him for his marching orders. Verse 16, it says, He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways will what? Die. So, so there's a warning here, right? And so we have to keep the, the word of God. There, there's a built-in security for the soul. We, we can't be careless. We can't let our guards down. Now, Deuteronomy 5.32, it says, Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And to be honest, it's only natural to have a tendency to over time let our guards down. You know, when you first got your license, when you guys are driving, Probably, I'll bet, more than likely, you were more careful, right? Did you guys, when you learned to drive, did you have the 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock thing? What, right? And now you guys are like this when you're driving, right? You're texting and driving, and you think it's going to be okay. What's it going to take? An accident. And you might kill somebody, or you might die, or one of your family members might die. Why? Because you let your guard down. And so if you keep the commandments, there's like a security in that. But if you're careless, if you're nonchalant, I, I know for me, when I, when I see this, I'm like, Lord, help me to learn to never let my guard down. Verse 17, it says, He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. And so basically... You see someone, there's a genuine need. I'm not talking about supporting a lazy person. There's a difference between someone who won't work and someone who can't work. Okay, So when you find a genuine need and you give to them as the Lord would lead you, 
again, understand you're giving to God. It's like you're lending to the Lord, and I promise you, he will pay you back. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done unto me, huh? And I was thinking about that guy Cornelius in the book of Acts chapter 10, and it just talks about how his alms came up to the Lord. Man, this guy was very generous and giving, and even giving to the Jews, and the Lord saw it. And so the Lord called Peter and him, and they came together, and the Lord saved him and his family. So understand, you guys, God will all, you can't outgive God. And so the key is, and you guys have seen it, and hopefully, I don't know, do you have a heart for the poor? Do you? Is there, are there any poor causes in your life? There should be. If you read the Bible, there should be. So as you're giving obediently, uh, the Bible says that God will give back. Verse 18, it says, Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. And so if we love our children, we'll chasten them. Uh, right here it says, while there is hope. And so a lot of times people will say that means that when you got to do it when they're young, and yes, you you have to do this when they're young. You try to establish that respect for authority and uh, even a healthy fear of God and just knowing that sin has its consequences, right? So you want to try to establish that early. But, but while there is hope at the same time, uh, it's just as long as they're alive. I, I would encourage you. I don't know what your situations are with your children, but, but uh, chastening them is disciplining them. It's sometimes telling them what you have to tell them. Don't be afraid. Um, I, I don't have a time to read an article. I have one right here by the guys Benjamin Spock, who wrote a book in 1946 that changed America, telling parents not to spank their children because he believed in humanism. He basically believed that children were basically good when the Bible teaches the exact opposite, that we are born uh, with a sin nature and it needs to be know, kind of spanked out of them, disciplined out of them. You know, forgive me for sharing this, you guys. Um, but, sorry, Andrew, but um, the Dodgers, when I saw them up at bat, these guys were very, have you guys, did you guys notice how disciplined they were? Very, very disciplined. Didn't go after bad pitches for the most part. And what ended up happening? They won the World Series. And so that discipline is huge. So chasing them while you can Verse 19, it says, A man of great wrath will suffer punishment, or if you rescue him, you will have to do it again. And so it's almost built on the previous uh, passage, a uh, principle there. This is say your son gets angry, and he commits a crime, he abuses his wife, he gets thrown into the jail. Big question, will you bail him out? And I, I think <laughs> the Bible says no. You know, uh, if he's guilty, and then sometimes it's not clear if they're guilty, and, you know, there's different dynamics involved. But if they've committed the crime, let him do the time, right? That's what we see here. He's never going to learn his lesson when he's saved by you. He needs to learn his lesson when he's saved by God. Verse 20 says, Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Now this is interesting. I think that to be wise, it probably takes time. Huh? 
you have to go through life. It's almost like what he's saying right here is, okay, uh, start reading your Bible, learning to study it and, and listen to people, and hopefully, eventually, the day will come when those gray hairs mean something, you know, it, that, that you're really, really wise. It takes time. It takes experience. It takes victories. It takes failures. It takes a lot to come to that place. Verse 21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel that will stand. So I remember one brother, and I don't completely agree with him, but he said this, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. And so I, I don't completely believe, but I do partially believe, you know. And we have our plans, and it's okay to, to plan, right? It is okay to do that, to plan your day, your week, your month, your year, and who knows, maybe even your life. It's okay. But it usually doesn't go exactly the way that we plan. Why? Because God's plan is better than your plan. I know you might disagree with me. <laughs> you might disagree with God and say, Lord, no, I think this would have been better. I don't think I should have gone through that. And the Lord says, trust me on this. I know. And his ways, the Bible says, are higher. I'll bet you almost anything, Joseph had it all figured out. Here's a guy, 17 years old, with a robe of many colors, uh, he was learning to read. The other brothers weren't. They were out there in the field. They, there was no plan for them to take over. But, you know, Joseph's dad thought, well, this is the one. And they had it all planned out, you know. He's going to take over the family business. And he's going to run things. And we're going to be blessed abundantly and be given so much here in this land. We have a vision for our family, right? But God had a bigger vision. You guys know the story, right? Joseph at 17, he gets sold into slavery and for 13 years. 13 years he's a slave. He ends up in prison thinking that his life is ruined, but he kept his eyes on the Lord. God was with him the whole time. And God's plans made him, what, the second most highest man in the world to where he was used by God to save not just his family, not just his nation, but the whole world at that time. And so trust him. Trust him. Verse 22, what is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. And so I don't know, how do you guys feel when you read that word kindness? Isn't that an attractive word to you? Is that the kind of man you are? You're a kind man, a kind that we should try to be that. We should want to be that. We know it's a fruit of the Spirit. I remember Cinderella, the, the latest Cinderella. And to be honest, I liked that movie a lot. I liked it a lot for many reasons. But one of the things her mom tells her right before she dies is uh, two things. Be courageous and be kind. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Verse 23, it says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it, will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. And so the fear of the Lord, we see it throughout the Proverbs, a healthy understanding of the ramifications of sin, the holiness of God. And again, you know, it's a healthy 
fear. It's a healthy reverence that if I, you know, mess around, if I, you know, start looking at pornography, if I start looking at images on TV that I shouldn't, if I, whatever, start listening to things or whatever, you know, there's that healthy fear because God sees everything. You can't entertain any thoughts. You can't allow them to lodge in your mind or heart. No, because you fear God. And, and, you know, earlier we talked about we don't want to experience the, the, the roaring lion. So there's a healthy fear. It leads to life. It leads to a life of satisfaction. And the enemy gets defeated. Verse 25. It says, strike a scoffer and the simple will become weary. Rebuke one who has understanding and he will discern knowledge. And so imagine here's a scoffer and someone strikes him. And so the simple are over here and they see, oh man, I, I should learn from that. You know, I feel that way many times. I've seen some pastors, many pastors fall because they didn't have safeguards. So you learn from others' mistakes right here. Of course, we know that uh, when we're rebuked with that understanding, then God does a good work. Verse 26 says, He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. And so again, coming back to family ties, right? And so the Bible talks about how we are to honor our father and our mother. And the Bible talks about even with that, there's tied a promise to it that we will have a long life. There's a general principle there involved in those things. And so uh, you got to, you know, be nice to your parents. And if you have kids, I would encourage you to be nice to them as well because one day they're going to take care of you, right? Hopefully. Verse 27, it says, Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray. And you might want to circle that word stray from the words of knowledge. Some people, for whatever weird reason, they think you can't stray. Ah, you know, that when the day comes when you, you no longer listen, you no longer are open, you're no longer receptive, you're no longer like in this personal relationship with God where you're like listening to Him, then it, you can stray, you guys. And that's why for us as pastors and, and just brothers and, and people in the church, you know, you, sometimes you're like just grateful after all these years. They're still here serving the Lord. That's huge. Verse 29, it says, Judgments are prepared for scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. And so we come back to that place, really, I think, of uh, understanding the, the discipline that God will administer to those who don't do things God's way. And there's that ultimate punishment for those who reject Jesus Christ. You know, that passage in Luke 12, 47 is a scary passage. It says, On that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. And basically what that means is that in hell, in, even in hell, there are degrees of greater punishment based on how much so verse uh, 29 is a warning for us. You guys, let's not be scoffers. Uh, let's be believers. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the promises of God? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, we believe in him. 
So it says right here that, that beatings are for the backs of fools. That's not going to be us, huh? You guys, make a promise to do this tonight, huh? Lord, make me a wise man, a wise guy. Make me a wise gal. Tell me.